My career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? My relationship is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. I'll never find love. Why can't I be like other gay guys? Hey guys, it's time to get a grip, stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40-plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell-it-like-it-is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. So as guys over 40, most of us, well, we kind of remember that moment we figured out we're gay, we want to come out. For some of us, it was very young. For others of us, it was in the middle of our... 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And we're all excited. We can't wait. We're finally going to go authentically be ourselves. For some of us, it's just like, I just have to make this move. For others of us, it's a big life issue that shows up and gets us thinking. And then as soon as we come out, things are supposed to be awesome, right? Well, they'll be challenging in its own way. But what happens when you be it living a life and that life thing comes up and says, I'm supposed to be out. I'm supposed to be myself. And then you start going down that path and you barely get out the closet door and starting to go live. And then life says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not done with you yet. Well, that's what we're talking about today on 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk. My guest's name is John McDonald. He has a very interesting story that I felt would really hit home for many of you guys, whether you're just coming out been out for a bit, struggling with some life issues, and then suddenly figure out, wow, life is even more precious than we usually just say. So he's coming to us from way on the other side of the world. And I'm so happy to have you on the podcast, John. And thank you for joining us, mate. Appreciate you. Thank you, Rick. Welcome. I kind of alluded to it in my introduction, but you were kind of living your life, doing what you believed was supposed to be the thing to do. <clears throat> and then a big bump in the road showed up for you and your um, your health, right? And that yeah. kind of got everything thinking, got you thinking differently. Yeah, I had um, um, quite a rare urethral cancer five, six years ago. And um, when you're faced with your own mortality, you I tend to look at things a bit differently. I'd been pretty much career focused and um, wanting to be successful, make money. And I had to have a good hard look at everything because, you know, and my sexuality came up as part of that because, you know, the area where the cancer was, was intimately involved. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's mentally, it was very challenging. And we had 18 months of not knowing exactly what was going on, which made it even worse. Mm-hmm. Another 12 months or so of treatments after that. Mm. I can't imagine. Now, I have been, I haven't been through that cancer, but uh, I'm a guy who regularly has to contend with kidney stones and lots of urinary tract stuff. And it's just, I mean, yes, it comes and goes. I'm I'm really knock on wood. Of course, I'm talking about this today, so it'll probably show up now. But um, it's not easy. It's painful. And then cancer, I can't even imagine, like all the complications that show up with it. And like you said, it's in a area of our life that's kind of crucial to functioning as men or even as a human. But, you know, 
our penis and urethra and all that sort of stuff. And then even the sexual piece. So um, were you in a relationship at that time? No, I've been single pretty much all my life. I mm-hmm. do have a daughter, but um, I basically knew I was gay from a young age, but it was mm-hmm. totally unacceptable. Sure. Rural New Zealand to mm. a gay life. So I headed away. Yeah. And, and I think um, many of us do that, regardless of what it is, we hide it away. And, and then here's this thing that shows up and you, you said it, you kind of started having some deep introspection, right? Yeah. Well, you know, some things that I haven't had in my life that I'd really like in my life and a partner would be one of them. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, so I started thinking about that as I recovered from the cancer and, um, and that had all its challenges as well. Like we had surgery on my penis and what have you. And so it's challenging multiple aspects of it. Sure. Um, but my focus changed from making money to helping people. And I just decided I need to come out and be authentically me mm-hmm. at 60, yeah. which is a bit of a late start. And so I and I I had a public profile in a small town and um it wasn't easy, but I didn't do the big song and dance. I just right. quietly got on with it. And then a year later I get slammed again and um was diagnosed with Parkinsonism. Mm-hmm. And um that's been a three year journey. A pretty rapid descent, um, but it just makes me very aware of the fact that you need to live life like there's no guarantee of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, with both of these things having happened for you, and you said you haven't had, really had a relationship or anything, as you so let's go back through the cancer piece as just as a man, okay? I'm not saying anybody, women who have cancer, but just as a man, I can only imagine when this is happening in one of the areas that, yes, we all joke, men think with their dicks, right? But it's such a piece of who we are, you know, and I'm not saying that vaginas aren't a piece of who women are, but there's so much that our penis defines us in so many ways, whether it's big enough, it's not big enough. If it's functioning, not functioning, you can't get a hard on, you can get a hard on, you can't perform, you can't, you know, it's just all these different things. So as this started to happen for you, I can only imagine lots of different like thoughts were going through, like wh- what happens to me as a man? Yeah, well, that, that was very interesting because um, some of the suggestions were chop it off, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, take it all. Ugh. And I was lucky that one particular doctor said to me, I don't care how mentally strong you are i have yet to meet a man who has handled that well um so we chose to try and save it and um when we did the initial surgery the end of my penis started actually dying on me gangrenous we lost blood supply to a skin graft and ended up in hospital and unable to move for a week it was tough times and it had to be painful 
I would assume. Excruciating. Like yeah. when I first went in with that, it was doctor said to me, you were about to experience pain like you've never felt before. And you're like, okay, great. Thank you for telling me that. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, again, I can't relate to the cancer piece, but just, just having kidney stones is without a doubt, just like the most excruciating pain I've ever experienced. It just, it, it takes you literally like takes you down so far. And again, there's this association of men and our, you know, our, our genitals. It's like, yes, there were times I'm like, can, okay, can we just cut it off? Will that help? Not that I wanted that, but you, you almost feel like that, you know? And when people don't understand that, you know, I know there's people who have, you know, arms amputated and legs, amputated, you know, all these things that happen, but there's this internal screwing with our own psyche and minds that doesn't help us get through it because you're just so deep into those pains. So I can only imagine the mental challenges it started to bring for you personally laying there, can't move for a week. That's that in and of itself is mentally challenged. Like don't move. You're just supposed to lay here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not move the muscle. Mm. And so then that gives you I'll only, I would assume all that does is give you time to sit there and be up in your head. Just laying there thinking, 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 <laughs> thinking, right? Yeah, very much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, wow. you're lying there thinking, will it ever work again? You know, mm. will I ever get an, uh, another erection? Will I ever be able to come again? You, all these things that go through your mind. And then when you're single, in addition to that, you've got um, how will I ever get a relationship? How, yep. Is that gone? Is that you know the end of it? Well, and and I think that's one of the things that um it's it's interesting because just a few weeks ago I interviewed another guest similar but not exactly the same situation where he he has a, a disability. It's not anything you can see. If you saw him, you would never even know. But because, and I don't want to say a whole lot because some people may not have listened to that podcast. So I'm going to say, go, go listen to it. Um, it definitely was a very similar conversation, but um, it's episode 212 for those of you who are listening. You want to go listen to that one where he has a hard time dating. And because he's disabled, like he is funk, like literally on disability, then gay men are like, oh, well, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. You did it. You know. You know, and there there doesn't ever seem to be any empathy, I would say, for just accepting someone where they're where they're at. So you move out of this cancer space, you're finally realizing, okay, from that scare, it's time for me to truly, truly be myself. So what did that look like for you in your own mind of, you know, John being truly himself? Yes, you're gay, but what is what kind of doorways in your mind did that open up? Well, trying to meet other gay men to start with, which is something I'd not done over the years. Um, and then having relation, trying to have a relationship or have sexual partners. And, um, you know, that was a challenging time as well because, mm -hmm. like I said, you know, I sort of regarded my 
manhood to be slightly mutilated. <laughs> right, right. And, well, um, and the thing is, is it's almost like you're damaged goods at that point, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I interviewed a guy, and maybe it hasn't even been two years, maybe it was in the last year, who prostate cancer, very similar sort of thing. Prostate cancer takes away some functionality and you definitely have some issues getting an erection and all these sort of things. And, you know, gay men try to say, well, it's not all about the sex, but it's a very bigger piece of the puzzle for us, you know? And I think as men in general, it's a big piece of the puzzle. I'm not saying all men, because some guys are like, sex, I can take it or leave it. But for someone like you and I, who, you know, come out later in life, that anticipation of finally being able to have that sexual experience with a man was probably pretty high up on the desirability scale, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And and was incredibly freeing mm. to finally. Well, just to be able to say, okay, this is who I am. Right. Yeah. yeah. Accept it. And not everyone accepts it, but, uh, you know, I've got to say, you know, coming out to all my friends and stuff were just fantastic. Mm. You know, they, they said, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't you love those people? Like, or, oh, we knew. And I'm like, well, really? You could have helped me feel like I was like not here all on my own. True. But uh, that's, that's, it is always interesting to kind of see how those things show up in our world. So, you have this epiphany, you're ready to get going. A year later, this other thing happens. But in that year's time, did you get to, quote, get to go be yourself and really enjoy being an out gay man? Yeah, as much as I could. You know, I I certainly put myself out there and um, had some fun. Mm-hmm. And the next thing, I get slammed again. And here we go again with more damaged goods probably mm. and you know sex isn't everything but um our gay world revolves around it well it's not just the gay world i mean we as i mean i always say we as humans we're sexual beings that's just part of who we are right yes the gay community sex is a bigger driver in so many ways but it's part of just feeling alive as a human and alive as a man. And when that piece gets taken away, I mean, I've had guys come on the podcast and talk about being, you know, having erectile dysfunction and, you know, what that does to their psyche or having other issues where they don't, you know, I, I talked to a guy, he never, he didn't end up coming on the podcast because he thought he was ready to go. Let's yes, let's have this conversation. And he had breast cancer and he's like, you know, I really should talk about this, Rick, but I just, I don't know if I'm ready to put myself out in the public forum that way, which I totally respected that, you know, I don't ever want somebody to come on here and feel uncomfortable. But again, there's a piece of being a man, like men have breast cancer, you know, it's like, uh, which it, it does happen. I mean, we have breasts really, if that's what you, if you want to get down to the bottom line, we have breasts, women's have breasts, we call them pecs or whatever, but um, it's a, it's a, devastating thing when something like this shows up so as you did start to get out there and start doing stuff was it guys were more put off by 
how late in life you'd come out, by the issues around the cancer. What were some of the things you experienced being this older guy trying to get out there and start doing what you've always wanted to do? It wasn't so bad in the beginning with just the cancer because I'd just explained yep. when I saw that it, you know, it wasn't a normal penis, but no one seemed to have any great trouble with that. You know, that was good. Where I find I have trouble now, though, is, you know, the Parkinsonism is um, a little bit more challenging because mm -hmm. a bit more obvious. Yep. Um, you know, my movement's slow. My I shake sometimes. Um, and a lot of people just switch off. They, as soon as you say you've got a health problem and things aren't as reliable as they once were, Right. So do you think it do you think as somebody who has experienced this, if you were to like say for most gay men, it's their they're wanting the perfection. They don't want to deal with something that maybe they can see kind of in the mirror, maybe coming their way in their life. Um, what do you think the main reason is they just have a hard time with this? Perfectionism is part of it, I think. You know, we're all guilty of that. But, you know, connection is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. um, and physical connection and emotional connection. And um, I think a lot of older gay men would fit into that category because, you know, like you said, prostate operations and different things, erectile dysfunction is part of life for many men. Yep. Um, but they still can give a lot of pleasure and have a lot of pleasure. And, you know, I, I still think we're of value. Oh, I agree. You know, I, I've, I have had friends, other people on the pod, you know, friends that we've had conversations about this then other people on the podcast are, you know, in their sixties, seventies, approaching 80. And, um, Lauren Olson was one who just most recently was on. He talking about his his new book called No More No More Neckties, and he happens to be in a multi generational relationship. His husband is about twenty years younger than him, and he's like, yeah, he he's very much you know much more sexually active than I am. I'm not near where I was, nor do the do the tools work quite the way they do. But he goes, I'm not dead. There's lots of ways to have connection and enjoyment and and pleasure. And I think because we've been so socialized as gay men that well, all gay men want is sex, 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 right? So then sex is, it's got to be this or this or this. And then another friend of mine, Joe Court, who's a uh, therapist and psychologist, he talks about, you know, being a side and he's never, he's just not any interest in, you know, anal either way. And because of these stereotypes, we as gay men seem to put on ourselves and our community, then suddenly something like this happens for someone like you and they can't even connect because the sex part is so predominant as part of this is the only way I know how to connect, which is actually a very sad state on who we are as human beings if we can't have connection and then the sex. Which would be ideal. You know? Right. 
get to know someone. Yeah. As a guy who is, you know, later in life, I'm, I'm 59. So I'm getting to that space where I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm luckily I have a, a wonderful husband, but one of the things I've also found that's difficult and has nothing to do with sex is just connection with other gay men. It's almost like if you're a certain age, you're either only can connect with your own age group, which is fine. But even those connections sometimes are really hard to make, which has nothing to do with, you know, a sexual connection. Do you find that similar that it's really hard to connect with gay men when it, when it doesn't even involve sex? Yeah. There's a, almost a barrier there. And I find that particularly with uh, older guys, like younger guys have tended to hit on me and, that daddy thing right you know and which is flattering but not always ideal right um but you know i i think age has very little to do with it when it comes mm -hmm. to that it's about whether you connect or not mm -hmm. I, well i think we've i think we've lost the art of connection so much in our community because it's so hypersexualized. <laughs> That the sex is the thing that's the connection at times. And I know I'm speaking, and I know I'm going to get some guys going, that's not true, Rick. That's not true. Well, it's it's much more true than it's not true. Because, because we're so sexually driven, it's easy to connect for sex, so to speak. But, but having that deeper, intimate connection of let's just talk, let's, let's understand each other. That gets really scary for some guys. Like, wait, 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 that's that's too deep for me. That's not where I really want to go. And I love what you said. If we could do the reverse, like connect and then the sex. That to me is a very beautiful space to be able to do this. Because, you know, when you come out and you're faced with the apps, really, mm -hmm. and that's just totally sexually driven. Mm -hmm. And dance parties and pride parties and gay cruises they all revolve around that being young and beautiful and sexy mm -hmm. really um yeah but i still feel i have a lot to offer but mm -hmm. um having gone to one of my first gay dance parties when i came out the other year, year and feeling fantastic feeling of acceptance and mm -hmm. it was all sorts there it was great i really enjoyed it yeah well and i don't think i don't think that's what you're saying though is like all those other things don't matter no all of those are places to connect and meet and all those sort of things and they're fun they're enjoyable but if suddenly that's the only way you feel you have connection i think this is why so many gay men end up feeling so lonely if they can't be at the dance party or they can't be at a pride festival or they can't meet at a bar, then they don't know how to do this. And now, of course, pandemic. I mean, I know at least New Zealand and Australia, you you all did a very good job of managing pandemic much better than we did here in the U.S. in so many ways. But because of that, so many gay men suddenly found themselves so isolated and now they're struggling to come back out into the world and go, well, how do I do this? But yet, guess what? The world changed. We all know that, but the world changed. And now there's not as many gay bars. There's not as many, I mean, I think pride festivals still happen, but the ways we used to connect in our world as gay men has definitely changed to the point where 
so many gay men are like, I don't know what to do now. The places I would normally go, the way I would normally do this. And one of my friends who is single, single gay guy um, in his late 40s, he said the amount of guys that are just like, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you do. I just want sex and connection, sex. And, and he says, and it's interesting because he's he's on the apps and he's like, I realize the apps are for sex, but he goes, I'm going to be realistic. He goes, no matter how many people say I want friendships too, most of them are just like, well, yeah, if the sex is good, then maybe I'll consider being friends, right? But he goes, it's the sex connection thing that blows his mind. But as he has navigated through that and continues to navigate through it, he said he has actually had some guys say to him, I don't really know how to connect now except through this because I was so isolated and now coming back out in the world and there's no quote safe spaces or not as many safe spaces to go gather. It's almost damaging to try to figure out how do I do this all over again? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's hard, you know, to get back out there and meet people um, Mm -hmm. because so much happens on the apps. Mm -hmm. Well, and so much, So much has been lost because we now, so much of our life is with our phones. You know, everything is in the palm of our hands. No pun intended there, but everything is right there. And I notice even like when I go to the gym and stuff, it's like my phone is, well, I use my phone to get into the gym. But I also notice like, hey, if I'm working out or stuff, I'm always looking at my phone for something. And I'm like, this is kind of ridiculous. In fact, this morning I was actually having that, <laughs> having that lovely little conversation with myself in my head as I was working out. I'm like, okay, you're not going to pick up the phone. You're not going to pick up the phone. You're not going to pick up the phone. And then I'm like, well, I need to check something for work. So I did. And of course, then I got distracted, right? It's hard to do. It is. But because it's so readily available, we're not having the human connections we used to. Right. We're heads down, face down, in our phones. And then you add the apps that gay men tend to gravitate towards. And suddenly we're just tunnel vision. It's just this. It's just this. It's just this. So now here you are. You're in, you're out. You're trying to navigate the world. You've got this other challenging medical condition. What's the most frustrating thing for you as you're navigating this right now? I know it can't be just one thing, John. I know that's kind of a like, yeah, Rick, that's a, a shitty question. There's so many things, right? You know, one of my challenges is that if you just bump into me and see me on the street, you'd think there's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Like Parkinson's, it's not always obvious. Right. People continually tell you how good you look, but you don't feel it because. That's not what's going on inside. Um, yeah, it's hard to pin down to one thing, but I, I just there has to be a lot more of us. I mean, tell you something that's been really good for me is I through Michael J. Fox Foundation stuff. I have linked up with a couple of LGBTI mm-hmm. Parkinson support groups, both in America. And join those. And that was really good because there's these group of people who you didn't have to explain anything to. They got both the coming out gay thing and the coming out Parkinson's thing. 
and they were really valuable just to be able to meet people who understood you. Well, what's interesting that I don't, I don't think most people who haven't dealt with a debilitating disease is we can hear Parkinson's, okay? And we can all kind of go, oh yeah, that's the one that sometimes will cause the shaking and stuff like that. But you don't understand the full breadth of what somebody's dealing with. So we're going to put this into like gay men's terms really quickly. So you're out to dinner, you're trying to have a good date, and then suddenly you're eating or drinking or something, and, and you start having the shakes. Well, somebody who's not ready for that doesn't know what the hell to do, right? Now, let's get beyond dinner, and maybe nothing's happened, but you get home, and maybe it's like, okay, you're you're wanting to be a little frisky or have a little bit of you know connection and everything, but suddenly John sits there and he's like, well, I can't, I can't really do this right now because... I'm kind of locked up. I'm stiff. It hurts. It's mm -hmm. difficult. Or balance and coordination. Okay. <laughs> I remember, I remember when I first started knowing I had vertigo. Vertigo is one of the things I deal with from time to time. Luckily, I was with my husband, but how much it like threw him off balance the first time <laughs> I literally was thrown off balance. Yeah. Because he he doesn't know what he didn't know what to do with that. Now we're we're very prepared if it's gonna if it happens and what I do and how we deal with it. But I think this is the stuff I would invite gay men to be more understanding and empathetic towards. If somebody is sharing with you, here's my limitations. This is what's going on for me. Instead of immediately going, I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. Right. To get curious. Because you actually might be able to work with that. You might yeah. be able to really enjoy someone for who they are. You definitely can. And I've had good experiences and bad experiences with that. And people who are understanding and you just say, well, I can't can't do that or, you know, whatever. You know, one of the funny things with Parkinson's is you can't roll over in bed. Mm -hmm. you just start thinking about how that affects you <laughs> things that you just take for granted every day yep. um, but if they prepared to enjoy what we can when mm -hmm. we can surprising what you can do right but it's a it had there has to be a willingness to go understand and be empathetic mm -hmm. and go okay i'm curious right i'm curious how can we make this work how can we not make this work um, I talked about this once on the podcast, but I think it's worth repeating. So you're two years. It's probably, well, it'll be almost two years ago in September. Husband and I are on our, our vacation and we're celebrating our 20th year together. And in Provincetown, Massachusetts, great LGBTQ destination, been there numerous times, looking forward to it, had a great week. Thursday evening of the week that we're there, suddenly I'm like, something's not right. Something is definitely not right. And I was passing a kidney stone. Mm -hmm. I kind of felt that was what it was, but I wasn't sure. And then it kind of like, kind of went away for a bit. And then it came back. And by the third night, it's like, okay, it, it was back with a vengeance, right? Well, we didn't have a car. And Provincetown is located clear out on the tip of Cape Cod. So the only way there is either you have cars and you drive, or you take the ferries from Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm in this just horrendous space and frame of mind, right? 
get back to Boston. Hubby's got to get back to California. I'm traveling to Florida. Go to the hospital, get the happy drug. Everything happens. We start getting the stone to pass, all this good stuff, right? But in that moment, I was kind of like, if he didn't really understand me and didn't know what was going on, this could have been so challenging. Yeah. You know, and being willing to like be there and hold with somebody and understanding, yes, he's my husband. So there's a little bit, it's a little bit different like realm, but those moments are so vital to being with someone who's willing to be there with you. So then <laughs> I get, I get gone. Things are better, you know, for four or five days, there's been like, no sexual urges whatsoever. But of course, as soon as things get better and I'm in Florida and I'm like, oh, I'm just like horny as hell, right? And he's nowhere around, right? So I'm like, well, I'm at a company retreat, so nothing's going to happen here. So I decide to jerk off, right? I jerk off, I jerk off, I jerk off, and nothing happens. I have my orgasm and like, oh my God, nothing happened. Nothing came out. Well, now I'm freaking out, right? I'm like, okay. It's it. It's finally happened. I, I That's it. I'm to that point where nothing's happening again. So, of course, the whole week I'm like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. I'm telling him. He's like, just chill out, man. Just, you know, wait to get home. You're going to see the doctor for the kidney stone. So I go to see my urologist and, you know, first we're going to talk about the kidney stone. He goes, well, anything else? I said, well, since you deal with that stuff down under, so to speak, I'm like, explain this. He goes, oh, Rick, that's nothing. I'm like, what do you mean it's nothing? He goes, it's because the meds you're on. They should have told you that, that, you know, if you decide to have sex, you're probably going to have an orgasm, but it's going to be a dry orgasm. I was so thrilled, you know, because my psyche finally moved back into that space. But it's these things that if we don't get the right information and we don't go explore and ask the questions, I could have enjoyed any number of things then, knowing that one thing. And I had to be on the meds for a couple of weeks. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a rock hard. He goes, the funny thing is, he goes, you're probably going to get really hard erections. I'm like, oh, great. So you're giving me pills to get really hard erections, but nothing's going to happen, right? But knowing that, I was so much more relaxed. I was so much more content. And okay, this is what we're working with. And I think that's what you're trying to say is if people could really know what you're capable of working with there's a lot of different directions you can go i think you know with um one of my pet beefs with the diagnosis and the health system has been that side of life you know your sexual side of life is so important to us and the professionals tend not to talk about it like parkinson's syndromes um, tend to have erectile dysfunction it's pretty much part of the course but do you think you can get someone to talk about it and mm -mm. You know, antidepressants they'll wipe your sex life out if right. you're not careful right and you know there's all these you know i wish we would take people as whole people not mm -hmm. just chunks of them mm which frustrates the hell out of me that some of the help. But I, but I think that's, I think that's the core message for, well, there's lots of messages that we've brought up today, but I think that's one of the great core messages to take away from this conversation is just accept people as the whole person. 
and see what you can in, enjoy and experience with the whole person. Yeah, maybe the penis doesn't work quite the way it should. Guys who have prostate cancer are like, yep, I nope, that's not going to ever happen again. Bottoming isn't going to be where I get pleasure. You can, I, I think, I think the guy that I interviewed is like, you can have the hole all you want, but it's not doing, it's literally not doing anything for me anymore. It doesn't do me. And, and he's like, and I, I was like, I was a power bottom. I love, he goes, mm. at this point, it's like, here, here's the hole, do with it what you want, but I'm not getting anything out of it, you know? But I think that's a, a beautiful message to kind of bring us full circle here, John, is just embrace the whole person and get curious about what's possible when you embrace that whole person. Yeah. Most definitely embrace the whole person. The real well, John, person. I'm so glad you were willing to like share these intimate details about yourself and your journey because it will inspire some people. I know that. I just know there's guys that whatever it is, they may not have, you know, have had a cancer scare or some of the issues you have, but they're struggling with some pieces where guys, gay men aren't accepting them as a whole person. And by letting them see there's ways to move forward. And I know your, your challenges are not <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination done. I can tell from the way you shared that you still get frustrated. You just, you want a connection and guys, I'm telling you, you're not seeing the video, but he's a handsome guy. So come on, let's just get real handsome guys at any age are, you know, a dime a dozen, so to speak, but there are also some guys that are handsome and you're just missing that, you know, beautiful person inside. So, um, but thank you so much, John, for taking time out of your day and being part of this and sharing on a subject matter that I think we need to have more conversations on. How do you really embrace the whole gay man, not just the penis of the gay man? So, uh, and I think, you know, we've got to accept as we age, which we all are, yep. that chronic health conditions are going to increasingly play a part in our life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that goes for all of us. Yes. And it doesn't matter how healthy you may think you are. You know, these things happen. They just, they happen and you can be as healthy as an ox. I mean, back in December, I had a stroke and it was kind of interesting to, you know, I'm pretty active in everything, but then I was talking to a friend of mine that I work with and she goes, Hey, my brother-in-law just had the same thing happen. And he is, he is Mr. Healthy. He runs marathons. He does this, he does that. And she goes, he had the same kind of stroke you did, Rick. So we don't, we just don't know. And I think your message of embracing the whole and living life to its fullest, that isn't like just fuck everything, you know, no, what you're saying is embrace each moment, embrace each day and live it to the best of your abilities. Live each day, man. Live yeah, each exactly. Day. Well, thank you again, John, for being a guest and being here and being part of my community. And guys, I hope you take in what John has shared and realize you are just as valuable as any other gay man out there. Don't let anybody take the whole person of you away from who you are and really make effort guys to go out there and connect with other gay men. So thanks again, John. I appreciate you, buddy. That's a wrap for 40 plus gay men, gay talk where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Gay Men Gay Talk, where the conversations continue.